What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to rain of troy radio episode 397 coming to you here on wednesday january 6th we're going to look back at the latest in usc football including departures arrivals and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, Omni, wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's Bruin Show? I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Radio Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is the new era of Reign of Troy that has begun today. It's it yeah, it's a new era. New uh, new digs on the internet. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, if you go over to reignoftroy.com, uh, you will see a new reignoftroy.com. We have transitioned to a new platform, super pumped uh, to be with our Minute Media brethren uh, and excited for what it means for Fansided as a whole and really for the future of the sites uh, and everything. Um, and this coincides with us getting ready to sit here today and announce our off-season plan. Or as you, as you know the saying goes, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. But we can at least give our. We can plan at least plan. We're gonna try to plan. Try to stick to it and see if 2020 has a is is nicer uh, at at letting us try to, you know, execute that plan instead of throwing yeah. global pandemics and all sorts of other stuff at us. We will see. But uh, the plan as of now, if you're wondering what's gonna go on with the show during the off season, we are moving to Tuesdays starting at next week. Uh, look for us to have the full main shows. On Tuesdays, uh, and then over on Patreon, every other Friday, starting next Friday, we're going to have bonus episodes on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy is where you can join us for all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five per month. Uh, those bonus shows include trivia shows like Only Connect. They include our shows with uh, Jake Merrifield uh, titled uh, Takes with Jake. 
uh, and so much more. Uh, so many more things we do over on Patreon every other Friday. That is the plan. Uh, but it doesn't include things like breaking news pods or Alicia's solo podcasts. Whenever those go down, uh, those will be on top of everything. Uh, but what we're uh, locking in is that every other Friday, uh, Alicia and I will have a bonus episode featuring the both of us. Yeah, good old good stuff. Uh, we always have good conversations regardless of the topic, whether we're quizzing each other in, in trivia or going over past USC history stuff or whatever it is that, that the Rapots want to hear about. So looking forward to another year uh, with the with the Patreon and with the podcast. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Friend of Troy is where you can join us. And we also wanted to take a minute here to give a shout out to Gabe8806, who left us a review over at Apple Podcasts. Gabe8806 says, thumbs up, five stars. These two constantly produce on point, consistent USC Trojans athletic coverage. Good job, Michael and Alicia. Yeah, thank you so much for the review. We always love reviews, love the five stars, and, and love to hear from you fo- you folks who listen to remind us that we're uh, we're doing okay over here. Sometimes you need encouragement, so much, much, much appreciated. Yes, indeed. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Help us grow the show by leaving a review. Five stars, and we will be uh, your best friends forever, basically. Um, but, Alicia, there's so much news to get to. Let's get up to that now. season has just begun, but the beginning of the offseason means lots of people going and coming, and it all starts with Clay Helton uh, giving the axe to old Tim Drebno, USC's offensive line coach, and not renewing the contract of strength and conditioning coordinator Aaron Osmus. Uh, Alicia, this means that the only positions not fired under Clay Helton are quarterbacks and running backs coaches. Uh, since he became the full-time head coach in 2015. Uh, they call this rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, maybe? That is the phrase that's going around, yeah. I, I've used the phrase myself. Um, I So I'm I'm not going to you know shed any particular tears for Tim Drevno not being USC's offensive line coach anymore. I don't know that he was put in position to succeed, but he certainly didn't succeed. And uh, it was very frustrating watching USC's offensive line over the last few years. But just like my thoughts about where USC goes with or without Clay Helton have changed uh, over the last couple of years, just based on the way that things have progressed, I have seen USC fire too many offensive line coaches and sat back and hoped that the next one would make the difference and none of them have to look at this and think this is the move that's going to make it happen. You know, back in 2018, that was two, two, three years ago now, we looked at what USC was trying to do as far as the reset that Notre Dame was able to do and then move forward from there. USC is two years from that, three years from that, and they're still doing the basic steps that they should have done from the get-go with those kinds of things. You can't reset it three, four, five times and tell me you're still on that one, you know, on on one reset. It's it's very frustrating. Like I said, I think USC could find somebody who makes, who who, uh, is at least as good as Tim Drevno, if not better. But at this point, what even is the point? He was about to go into year three of his guys being in his system and you pull the plug just to reset it to have an, another new year of growing pains? Well, see, I look at it a couple different ways. Number one, um, in a vacuum, yeah, you absolutely go and change your offensive line coach. Um, Tim Drevno, I think this is the perfect time because, like, like you said, I don't think that Tim Drevno is put in a, in a place to succeed here. Um, the scheme is not what he thrives in. Um and so I, I feel bad for him in that sense. But SC's got to get some better production out of their offensive line. They've got to get uh, a blocking scheme that works and find something that is able to work with the offense that USC is trying to run. Because um, clearly what they have is broken. It does not work. Uh, and if you can go out there and find someone who fits into the scheme, great. That, that could be the little thing that unlocks the potential for this offense going forward. 
Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you in the in the general sense that SC is never going to take the next step forward until they change the head coach. Uh, so what's the point? But doesn't that discredit the the moment in time that USC is in right now? You look at this offensive line, and, and we've been talking about USC's three star offensive line for a while now. Multiple recruiting classes, SC has been acquiring these offensive linemen uh, that are not at the level that USC is a custom of recruiting. Uh, a lot of them are are sized uh, differently, tall, lanky guys, so many of them from Texas, right, uh, that kind of fit a different style. This is the opportunity going into 2021 for those guys to get on the field because what you've had for so long is Elijah Vera Tucker and uh, Andrew Voorhees and uh, Jalen McKenzie um, and, and all these dudes that have been around the program for years and years and years. Those guys are graduating. Those guys are going to the NFL. There is going to be a big turnover starting this season. I don't know, though, because four of the five are probably coming back. So maybe you're at three of the five, but it's not like this new coach is going to... As of now, but but things are changing. And you're one injury away from having to bring on two or three guys, whatever it is. Right, right. But those were guys that were recruited by Tim Drevno to fit what he wanted to do. And... You in a could, scheme that he wasn't signed up for. Well, but he did sign up for it. He what that he wasn't sure. that he wasn't familiar with as much. But it just again, it just feels like pulling the plug on the wrong piece of the machinery. If you're unhappy with right. the way but that, if, the, but if you're Clay Helton and you're going to stay, you're not just going to sit here and do nothing. This is absolutely the move that you make. I, I, how do I phrase this? I, I, I know everyone wants Clay Helton gone, but like. If you're Clay Helton, you can't just sit on your hands. What other move is Can there you, to make? Okay. I, I, okay. Bear with me here, folks, because I'm not trying to start anything with this, especially <sighs> since, since I have called for them to move on from Tim Drevno. And so I get it. I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not against this move, but to play devil's advocate, USC just went five and one lost to Oregon on a Friday night when they had limited roster available, guys injured, blah, 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 all the excuses that USC wanted to throw out there after that loss. Why couldn't Clay Hilton sit back and say, I don't need to make any changes? Why couldn't Clay Hilton just move forward with, you know what, we're going to go We're gonna go ahead and, and get better uh, this next year? Because, because when you set the, the expectation, uh, which we talked about, at nauseum that it was a misguided expectation. But when you came out here and said, we need to run for 170 rushing yards per game because that's what's going to make us a championship team. When you come out here and say that and rush for five against Washington State, something is broken. You can sit there. Then the only recourse is to say, we put a goal on it. We didn't make it. Of course, you're going to change the thing. I, I agree with you that if you can look at it and say, well, we got so close. What what else is there uh, t- to do and not make wholesale changes? I agree, but I don't think an offensive line coach is a wholesale change. It's the minute uh, change here that could make a big difference. Now, I'm not saying that SC is going to go out and hire the perfect offensive line coach and suddenly be able to run the football and all that. I'm My expectations are nowhere near that at all. Uh, I, I would never hold my breath on that at all. But I just think that, like... People get frustrated about Clay Helton for not firing T. Martin after 2017, for not making changes after 2017, a year in which he won a conference title uh, and and lost a, a Cotton Bowl. And yet we're sitting here after uh, a Pac-12 championship loss to Oregon in which they got obliterated in the trenches. And we're going to say, well... Yeah, but he shouldn't be changing the offensive line coach. Like, no, of course he should be. Well, like, and again, I'm not saying he shouldn't change the offensive line coach. I'm just shrugging my shoulders at the futility of it all because, yeah, it might make a little bit of a difference this coming year if USC makes the right hire, which, by the way, we don't know that they will. I just worry that this is the kind of thing that's just going to lengthen the leash again and kick the can down the line again because will the excuse coming out of 2021 be... Well, the offensive line got a little bit better, and look what they might become in 2022 if you give this offensive line coach another another chance. You don't and make just, that excuse about an offensive line coach. You I, don't. About a, about a coordinator, you might. About an offensive line coach, you don't. 
All right. Then, sorry, in, then, then in 2021, they determined that maybe Graham Harrell is the problem. Nick's him and then decide, you know, well, okay. with a new offensive All coordinator, right. blah, blah, blah. You I just... are you are so downtrodden. I am. You, you are so uh, you, you, you got battered wife syndrome. I, 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 I am with this program. I do. It's it's a I'm just I don't know. There is no there. <laughs> And I don't want to be that person that's like damning USC if they do and damning USC if they don't. But also, like that's how I feel. Like that's that's where I'm at right now. Where I look at both sides of the argument and just go, like this is this is neither of these paths are a good idea. There's a middle path that they missed. Yeah, and the way I look at it, uh, in general, is is this going to to fix anything? Probably not. Now, um, if if USA goes out and hires Bill Bill Beaten Beatenbow Beatenbow Bill yeah. Beatenbow, then uh, then we're having a different conversation right now. Sure, but the way I look at it, in general, is this going to change anything? Probably not. I don't have high expectations. Um, but if you're Clay Helton, obviously you're making this move. Obviously, uh, and, and with Aaron Osmus, uh, this is where I, I I always say that I know nothing about strength and conditioning, uh, and I'd have nobody in their right mind knows how to truly gauge a strength and conditioning coach unless that is something that you know. Um, Deep down, I, I I am never going to subscribe to the, oh, the lack of physicality is the strength and conditioning uh, coordinator's fault or injuries is the strength and conditioning coordinator's fault. I think that's so easy to say from the outside. I don't know that SC had an overwhelming amount of trouble in both of those areas this year. I thought they, they if anything, they made strides in, in those areas. But shrug... I, yeah, I, I got nothing. I, I'm with you. I I genuinely cannot tell you if Aaron Osmus did a good job or not. Yeah. Um. I, I I don't know. I don't know. And and I don't even know where to start looking as far as USC finding another strength coach. They're out there. But I will say that if to to go with my argument that if you're Clay Helton, of course you're going to try something. A strength and conditioning coach is not a bad place to try. No, to do something. not at all. It's it's a. It, it's basically a free move, right? I guess the problem is a lot of times you hear strength and conditioning coaches being linked to culture. Right. And USC beat its chest about how good their culture was this past year. So, like, I guess well, I guess the question, the honest the honest question I would ask Clay Helton and the, and the com- and company is, what is it about Aaron Osmus that wasn't good enough and, and what are you targeting as far as the change is concerned, because like you and I said, like we're, it's so hard to gauge which which parts of the team's success or failures are linked back to to strength and conditioning. But uh, I don't know. Could this could this be Mike Bone coming in and saying you have unlimited resources, go find somebody big? It could be. I mean, we know that this is a, a contract out of date, not being renewed. Uh, so maybe if he still had another year in his contract, it'd be a different story. I don't know. I, I just I look at the entire picture of this, and I do see humor in the sense that uh, Clay Helton hired Tim Drevno back, and he hired Aaron Osmus back, two guys that were on this staff earlier in the decade, and they did not work out. The retread model did not work out at USC. No, not at all. Shocker. Shock. Yeah. Well, we called it though back when it happened that it wasn't that it was a half measure with what USC was doing. When Notre Dame did their changes, they changed literally everybody but the guy on top. Right. And USC didn't do that. They they did half measures, and they've continued to do half measures for the better part of the last couple of years. So, How much do you love it now that you've seen Breaking Bad that you can use the, a term like half measure? I use half measures all the damn it's, time. It's great. I probably overuse it, but uh, Mike is my favorite character from Breaking Bad, and uh, he hit the nail on the head with that speech. Yes, indeed. Uh, other coaching news, Dante Williams is now the associate head coach. Alicia, what does this mean? It's very simple, but what does uh, it mean? I mean, it means that USC is not letting him walk away without a fight, which yep. is a very, very good sign. And again, uh, I, okay, I'm going to end up being known as a Mike Bone shill, but seriously, the amount of abuse this guy gets unfairly, in my in my opinion, on a lot of things the moves he has made outside of the one that everyone wants to see happen, outside of all of that, he's done things right. And naming Dante, a giving USC the resources to go out and get Dante Williams uh, was a, was a big one, but also taking the step to lock him in. That's huge. That's 
proactive. That's exactly what you want to see from your administration. So kudos to USC for getting that done. Yeah. Um, he's been great on the recruiting trail. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, and that's what you do. You put more money behind him. Uh, the the promotion is all about money. That's all it is. Um, and more power to him. Uh, he, he's done a great job for USC uh, thus far in the last year. Uh, last coaching news thing to discuss before we talk about players. Graham Harrell is now interviewing for the head coaching job at Boise State. We know that uh, the Broncos are looking for a new head coach after Brian Harson as headed to the Plains to be the new uh, Auburn Tigers head coach. Yeah, the, this one's interesting. The, the reporting from Football Scoop is pointing towards Oregon's uh, Andy Avalos and uh, Montana's head coach, whose name I am forgetting at the at this moment, uh, as the favorites to take over that job. But uh, Graham Harrell, is, it sounds like he's going to get an interview. And what's interesting to me is is less the likelihood of him ending up at Boise State, but more the he's act he's out there looking to get interviews. And I don't think that there are too many head coaching opportunities out there at the level that he'd be sort of looking this cycle. But that can change really quickly. One domino falls and, and we're going to see a lot of movement that we weren't necessarily expecting in, in the coaching carousel this year. So something to keep an eye on for the rest of January. But the thing that's making me laugh the most is like a year ago, USC fans would have been freaking out about this possibility. And now we posted a tweet on Reign of Troy about it and that tweet got ratioed by people calling for him to go take that like thank god someone take him away like wow what are your makes i i find it so funny how people um ostracize coordinators yeah like i like i I, grim harrell i think has shown himself uh in the in the last 12 months uh well you know the last two months, I guess, of the football season, uh, to have flaws. Absolutely. And in this renaissance of, of offense, this offensive explosion that's going around everywhere, so much of it based on the pass, uh, and you got names like Sean McVay and Joe Brady and all these things and all these guys that have been linked to being key culprits of it, both at the NFL and, and the college level. I, I think that SC probably could do better than, than, than Graham Harrell. At the same point, I don't think that Graham Harrell is the horrible offensive coordinator uh, that people are painting him out to be all of a sudden. Um, and this is just because the, the offensive coordinator gets fairly and unfairly, you know, the, the blame for everything. That, that's just how it works. That, that's how the offense works. And when SC has an offense that is surely capable of scoring 50 points and then never sniff 40, that's going to be the reaction. Yeah, I mean, and and I get that. I'm, I'm so very torn on, on Graham Harrell. This is what I was worried about when USC brought him in as opposed to what USC was supposed to get from Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury had a wealth of experience as an offensive coordinator, uh, as a play caller at the Power 5 level. And I thought that, um, you know, that was a no-brainer for that one. To stick with the air raid and go with someone unproven like Graham Harrell, I thought it was a, a good idea at the time. But you were going to have to deal with growing pains. And unfortunately, I think that's what USC has has encountered here. You're seeing an offensive coordinator who doesn't have a ton of experience learning how to shift when something goes wrong or when things don't go, don't go to plan uh, or when opposing defenses start to figure you out. That is a, a problem for Graham Harrell. But like you said, he's not, you know, he's not the worst offensive coordinator. He's, USC averaged 33 points per game. Like, it's not like um, th- this was an utter disaster of a season offensively. Right. Keaton Slovis had a, quote, bad year by by so many different um, perspectives, and yet he was the first teamer in the Pac-12. He led the Pac-12 in, like, every passing stat, uh, save for, like, quarterback rating, which was pretty down for him. But you, you don't get that by accident. Yeah. And, and I know that the air raid is, you know, puts a lot of precipice on the pass, but still, you don't get there by accident. Well, you don't win five games by accident your quarter Keaton got USC there he did he did the he did the job he wasn't great all the time and we nor lord knows that we talked about it 
But he was he was he was just okay. USC needs him to be more than just okay. Right. USC needs this offensive coordinator to be more than just okay. Absolutely. And I think that's why people are right rightly frustrated. USC needs to have an, a, a running a, a rushing attack that averages more than a hundred yards a game. They didn't this year. That is absolutely. Oh, hold cr- on, no. They need to have a rushing attack. That is capable of being successful. Okay, yes. It doesn't matter how many but yards a successful, they run for. A successful rushing attack that runs the ball as often as USC did should have more than 100 yards per sure. game. Yes. So that's that's just, you know, metrics we can debate whatever, which way that we want. But the, the fact of the matter is that USC's, off, USC's ground game was not effective enough, particularly on the ground, but across the board, they weren't good enough. And, uh, you know, a lot of that had to do with the physical side of it. A lot of it had to do with the scheme side of it, the play calling side of it, all of the above. And that was Tim Drevno's responsibility as, as USC's run game coordinator. So maybe Harold benefits from a new offensive line coach, a new run game coordinator as a, as a result. Maybe that's the thing that, that changes things for Harold. But I don't know. Like with everything it, it, with USC, like with the Drevno conversation and all of that, does any of this matter <laughs> in the end? You are just so <laughs> downtrodden. I'm sorry. Jeez. And we haven't even talked about USC's departures yet um, in terms of personnel, players. Um, let's do that. Alicia, we have talked about this forever. The fear, <laughs> if you want to call it that, that SC would go into 2021 uh, and have lost everybody um i don't think it is a total catastrophe yet but man sc is having uh quite the the purge of talent uh based on the nfl draft um amon ross st brown gone to the nfl he finishes his usc career tied with nelson adler for 10th the 178 catches talano hufanga you might remember him for being the pac-12 defensive player of the year and an all-american he has gone to the NFL. Elijah Vera Tucker, gone to the NFL. Tyler Vons, the third-ranked receiver in USC history with 222 catches. He has gone to the NFL. Elijah Griffin, another guy, gone to the NFL. Marlon Tuipelotu, gone from the NFL. And the first one who opted out of the season and went to the NFL was Jay Tufele. That is a hell of a lot of talent right there. Uh... In those seven guys, all gone to the NFL, all not coming back. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to say that as it stands right now, SC doesn't have the talent to make up for all those guys immediately. But we're going to have to see what they can do in 2021. Well, the real question I still have and word we're still waiting on is Isaiah Palomau. Uh, and and honestly, yeah. USC's defense, weirdly, like could really use him coming back. For sure, uh, yeah. because then you go into uh, into twenty twenty one with Isaiah Palomao as your sort of fin- foundational piece in that secondary. You're bringing in Xavier uh, Alford from from Texas, and you have uh, the the guys behind the guys recruit recruits that you've brought in who you can then maybe cycle through with alongside him. But if you're having to start fresh at safety across the board, um, also replacing Elijah Griffin. Uh, in that secondary, that's tough without even beginning to talk about Marlon Tupelotu and J2 Fele as, as guys that USC really could have used as well. Yeah, I think the doomsday scenario for SC is not quite there yet. Um, the doomsday scenario, I think, would be losing um, IPM, losing another linebacker, um, either to the transfer portal or to the NFL. Or corner to you could lose another corner losing another offensive lineman um like someone like Jalen McKenzie maybe mm-hmm. uh or if Brett Elon wanted to go or, or what have you I think that would be the ultimate doomsday scenario for USC they aren't quite there yet um having IPM for the moment uh is huge yeah uh but still it is it is pretty damning for SC when you look at all the talent uh gone because I I think that Ideally, SC would have hoped that they would have been able to keep Montoya Pelotu. They could have hoped that they would have been able to keep Elijah Griffin or maybe on uh, some weird level keep Tyler Vaughn's. And if they would have kept those guys along with, with IPM and along with everybody else who could go, um, you'd feel more comfortable about 2021. 
but alas, um, that's not the case. Um, and when you include the transfer portal uh, departures, uh, then it really starts to look kind of worrisome for USC in 2021 with Marquis Stepp going, Connor Murphy. We already know about Pallier Nateote, Abdullah Malik McLean. Uh, Rainier McLean was suspended th- this this past season, but uh, not in the transfer portal officially. Not that not that we know of, but we can assume that he's not going to be back, right? So there's a lot of guys there that SC, despite you know um, having talent on the roster twenty four seven, they're going to have to make up for those guys. Luckily, uh, they are putting together one of the best classes in years. Uh, I don't know what that means, given how uh, how poorly rated USC's class was last year. Uh, and the year before, but uh, the recruiting side of things is at least holding their own despite the uh, departures. Well, and that's the key to everything for USC, isn't it? It's you have to have made up for the dip in twenty in the class of twenty twenty in the class of twenty twenty. You have to have made up for that somewhere, and you need to do that in the class of twenty twenty one, which so far USC has managed to do. Uh, in most case, in most areas, uh, maybe we talk about offensive line still being a concern as, as recruiting, but uh, they've been able to bring in a really, really spectacular class this year. That's going to make up somewhat for the the departures that uh, that are in place. Now USC is probably going to have to use more young guys than you would ideally use, but despite the 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 sort of perception of USC's roster talent really taking a dip, I'm not sure it's that extreme yet in terms of uh, the the guys that USC will have available. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it could be worse, which I think is a uh, a good thing for USC, but uh, but still worrisome given all the departures that SC has had. Now, the good news is you, you mentioned the recruiting class. SC gets the second highest rated recruits in the history of the program, signing Corey Foreman, the number one Recruit in the 24-7 sports composite. 6'4", 265 pounds out of Corona Centennial. A defensive end. Uh, by all accounts, a generational-type talent that SC has at their disposal now at defensive end. That is huge. Sierra Wright uh, has committed to USC the number 77 overall recruit in the 24-7 sports composite out of Loyola as a corner. Those are two huge gets, and... If SC is going to be successful in 2021 and going forward, it's going to be that the the incoming freshmen are able to have an impact to make up for three things. A, all the departures that SC is losing out of this this team that had all the talent in the world to, to, to be a playoff team, right? And to make up for the recruiting class um, from last year and to just be able to go in and get all those reps. Those are three things that SC needs to f- figure out a way to do um, for, for 2021. And this recruiting class is how you do it. I think my my worry about this recruiting class is the big wins are not necessarily at the positions of the most need. That's right. kind of worrisome. Right. Well, okay. Sarah Wright is potentially a, a, a plug-and-play replacement for Elijah, Elijah Griffin. Griffin sure. Potentially, yeah. if he can do the Chris Steele thing, then that's really that's a really really good sign. Really helpful for what USC needs. Um, the, I guess the concern around Corey Foreman, like you said, potentially a generational talent, but his position is probably Drake Jackson's position. So it, it's not like he's going to come in and play one of those big spots that USC's losing a, a an all Pac-12 kind of player. Right. Um, so yeah, If you could choose, you'd have that number one overall recruit replace Hufanga or replace ABT on the offensive yes. line, right? I mean, if USC, and this is and this is the failing of, of USC recruiting over the last few years, if USC had the five-star offensive lineman, that would be absolutely massive. But USC doesn't have the five-star offensive linemen. They have some good offensive linemen, uh, potentially some some projects and some potential diamonds in the rough, and we'll see how those guys do. Right. But they don't have like Tristan Lee. They don't have that uh, that 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 big and, offensive line. And by the way, th- th- this isn't to say that you know signing Corey Foreman is a bummer. Oh no no no! Like no, you absolutely take him any day of the oh, week. Oh, you find a way to work him into that and, defense. You know, having him on this defense along with Drake Jackson. Uh, 
a, a guy that he looks up to uh, as as an older player from from Corona Centennial is a great problem to have. Yes. Wonderful problem to have to figure out how to get those guys on the field at the same time. Yes, and and to be able to know that uh, coming into this year, Drake Jackson is probably going to leave after 2021, and then you're going to get a couple of years of Corey Foreman coming on the back of that. So this is the future of the program, not just 2021, but 2022 and 2023, that you're really setting yourself up for very well in that particular spot. It's just that you have some holes that are in the other areas that you do still need to plug. You know, USC has brought in a couple really promising-looking quarterbacks that's great to have, but uh, you do, you know, where are, your, where are your tackles, where are your guards that you are going to be able to look at and say that's a future first-round pick, that's a definite, you know, two- or three-year starter. Uh, it's it's harder to see those guys, and, and it's a wait-and-see on who USC has. But as far as cl- closing out a class, I think USC is doing a hell of a job here, and they're not done yet either. Um, they are still very much in the race for Rajon Davis, the the outside linebacker uh, from modern day, so they could be getting even better talent-wise on that defense to help make up for for any other deficiencies that they have. This is why I continue to say uh, that as bad as it gets for USC, they're still in a pretty decent position regardless of who the head coach is. There's still plenty of talent despite the last year. This roster should still compete for the Pac-12. Like, at worst, that's what they should compete for. It's a dip in talent based... Compared to last year, just based on timing of, right. of all these guys being but it, drafted, but, it, but it's not like all of a sudden you're being uh, having to go out there with like Oregon State's roster or whatever. Yeah, no, no, they still got they still got tons of talent out there. So, uh, and and particularly, you still got wide receivers. You still got your quarterback. Uh, you just you just got to sort of find a way to get through this 2021 season where you're maybe going to see a significant step back in a couple of spots, but. Then again, I worry less about the defensive line because of what we saw from the guys that were developed under Vic Soto. And maybe we'll see a Marlon Tupelotu-like jump going forward Yeah, for someone and, else. And that leads us into a key question that I have, which is, what do you expect from this team in 2021? I, I think that the 2021 season is obviously going to be another championship or bust season for, for Clay Helton. We know that. That's the the elephant in the room. We all know this. Let's just put that aside for one second, because that can derail literally any conversation we have about this team. Oh, but Clay Helton, obviously, we know that. Deep breath. Let's talk about this at a different level, right? In a vacuum, regardless of that, independence of of Clay Helton, what should should we expect out of this 2021 team? When you look at all the guys that are gone, all the talent on this team that is gone, all the guys that are coming in, your, your Corey Foreman's is a freshman Corey Foreman, um, your, your uh, transfers, uh, Xavier and Alford, uh, Ismail Sofsfer, um out of uh, Alabama. What do, you, what do you make of the 2021 season? What, what, what do you expect out of these guys? Uh, it's, I, I, like I said, the, 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 the roster should still compete for the Pac-12. I, I don't think you can concede the South to ASU or, or UCLA yet. Um, certainly shouldn't. You, like you said, you have the, the, the defensive tackle coming from Alabama, who uh, if uh, if he is the talent that he seemed to be when he was a recruit, and if Vixa Oto can get out of him what he managed to, to get out of Marlon Tupelotu, then you, you've got a, a, a good starting point on that uh, defensive line. You're probably, I mean, right. we, we assume USC's bringing back Nick Figueroa and and Caleb Tremblay. I mean, they both could could leave for the NFL if they wanted. I just don't see that happening. Um, so you know, I I think that uh, you have some pieces there to work with. It's just really that age old question of can USC develop these guys and have them fit the defense and have everyone learn the defense and know their jobs and and uh, the offense know their jobs and get their job done. That's just easier said than done, right? Yeah, you mentioned timing. I think that that's the key here. Uh, because I look at this roster, I, I do not think that this team uh, can win a Pac-12 championship. Uh, in terms of the talent, like, yes, and how it compares I guess, to everything. I guess my question it, it, is... It, surely who, it could, obviously. Yeah, let, but are you going to put your faith in Oregon or Washington to be that good that we look at it and say USC can't win the Pac-12? For the most part. Mm-hmm. I'm not I, I there mean, yet. it's not that SC couldn't, 
it's what do I do? Oh, I will they? Them will they? Will no. They? no. Oh yeah. No. 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 That, uh, we're on the same page there. You know will they? I, like, because this and, team's going to underperform again. So so let's look at the 2021 schedule. Um, SC gets at home. San, San Jose State, Arizona, Oregon State, Stanford, UCLA, Utah, and BYU. Um, not bad of a home, not not a bad home slate on the road. Notre Dame, ASU, Cal, Colorado, Washington State. There are two key misses or Oregon and Washington in conference. I think missing those two teams is going to be huge, possibly the difference for the the South. Uh, SC wins the South again, especially when they get Utah at home. It's a little bit easier to beat Utah at home than it is uh, at Rice-Eccles in front of the Muss, which we know that SC did uh, this past year. I think the schedule, especially in conference, is favorable. There's no reason why SC can't win the South. I can't see them getting any further than that. And the reason is because I think the timing is all off. Um, I, I You look at the, the freshmen, they're going to be coming in, and I think they're just they're going to be too young compared to the other talent on this, this team. And I think that the unfortunate part is I think this team is going to be a year away. In 2022, I could absolutely see that being the time. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be gone from Oregon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like. Things are are going to be a little bit settled in that way. Uh, I think Oregon's dominance up front uh, might be a, a little bit uh, taken back by that point. Who knows? We'll see. Obviously, they're going to reload. But you look at what SC has um, in 2021, Drake London and Drake Jackson, the two Drakes, uh, um, Keaton Slovis, those guys are all draft eligible. If they all leave after 2021... Those are three big spots to replace, and I don't know if they're going to be able to necessarily do it as easily going into 2022, even with Corey Foreman on the roster. You know, like well, in, in so a perfect hard. world, you do you, you have those guys at the same age as all these guys, uh, the, these guys coming up in 21. Well, but this is college football, right? Like, right. like the these, cycle. These are the, these are the problems that you have. You're going to, and, and this is why the 2020 team was the ultimate chance, right? Because you had the Drakes and Keaton Slovis being the young guys, the young studs. And and the Amon Ra's and the and, and all and, the veterans, yeah. And AVT and all that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's the ebbs and flows of college football and recruiting and all of that kind of stuff. And this is why it's so important to get to the point where, you know, like Bama's ebbs and flows are the difference between winning the title and getting knocked out in the semifinal of the playoff. Like, that's their ebb. Right. Um, uh, you know, Ohio State's ebb and flow is getting into the playoff and winning the playoff versus you know, maybe having one too many losses to, going, going to ten and two. you know, be yeah. number five. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, USC's ebbs and flows, they need to narrow it down. It can't be, it can't be you know, 10 and two and winning the Pac-12 versus you know five and seven it just can't be that kind of ebb and flow so so i agree with you that you might feel experience a little bit of an ebb but if usc is doing their job if the coaches are doing their job if the program is in a healthy state then the ebb should still be you know nine win season it should be it should should be a lot lot of shoulds i think sc is absolutely going to take a step back Uh, it's just a matter of what that step back looks like yeah um, it, it could end up being that it, it you know, when, when you look at the schedule, um, just you're going to run through this really quick. Gut reaction, win or loss. San Jose State. Win. Arizona. Win. Oregon State. Win. Stanford. Win. UCLA. Win. Utah. Uh, win. BYU. Win. Notre Dame. Lose. ASU. ASU on the road, I'll, I'll give it a coin flip and give it the loss. Cal? Win. Colorado? I'll go win. Washington State? Win. So, put that all together. Didn't you just say that is going to go 11 or 1? Sorry, 10 and 2. 10 and 2, yeah. No. See, I no. I, I, I think, I think surely, if, if they, they do what they were supposed to, yes, you could see it. And in a perfect world, to make the Ohio State comparison, a down year for SC is... is uh, Winning the conference and finishing fifth in the polls and just missing the playoff, right? Yeah. But I the more the more likely scenario is I think the SC ends up being sort of like an eight and four team that still wins the division. Right. But if USC goes eight and four with this schedule, and oh, we're, it is January sixth, twenty twenty one, and I'm asking this question: 
Is that a fireable offense? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's like, my thing. Uh, yes. If it's eight and four, that's not good enough in this schedule. Yes. Uh, like obviously. I said, ten, 10 and two, I think that's reasonable. Maybe you you're on the road against Notre Dame, and then you you hat you you coin flip uh, ASU and UCLA, and and maybe throw uh, Utah and BYU in there as as, as difficult matchups. But th- th- that's a ten and two schedule. It's a ten and two schedule. Because I and I hate bringing this up because I know what's going to happen. But if you don't, you don't, you know, if you don't do one thing, you got to do the other. Uh, So I think that that makes literally anything, any result outside of a national championship uh, doomsday for for, for Cleo. Okay, so now that's that's fascinating because I would I would agree with the sentiment while also saying I cannot imagine a world where USC goes 10 and 2. (laughs) <laughs> and moves on from the head coach. I, I it's just it's just it's just wild. It, I mean, going ten and two should be enough to keep your job. I don't except know that in it, this case. Yeah. Now, now again, we we could be completely fooled. At you know, <laughs> surely they've got to fire him now, right? Like, surely you'd have that conversation. But like the again, the alternative is extending him at that point, and I can't imagine extending him being the better option you know i'm just saying Mm. all right we got we got a big mailbag let's get to it you've got mail all right let's let's start with a voicemail we got from scott in memphis michael alicia this is scott from memphis i just don't really call as much i'm sorry uh, been a, real busy. It's, uh, Tuesday, the 29th, and I was looking at ESPN and seeing what games are going to be played, and lo and behold, there's Colorado, Texas. And it just got me thinking, USC, not one to play a bowl game. Let me explain something. Your significant other suddenly breaks up with you and decides they're going to marry your best friend, and you had a trip plan to Europe and you're just don't want to do it and you have two options you suck it up and you go and you go to Europe and lo and behold you may meet somebody or you may have a great time or you can sit in your room pull the blinds down and munch on Xanax and when USC decided they weren't going to go bowling I thought that was more due to the fact that they didn't win the Pac-12 and they were all upset and kicking the can. And it was due to that more so than, well, we want our kids to be home for the holidays. No one's going home for the holidays. <laughs> no one's, I mean, please. I thought that was a cop-out. I thought it was weak. And it just says a lot of things about the USC program right now. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. If y'all end up having another, you know, uh, simulcast and, and you're gonna talk about things i i didn't hear y'all discuss that in the last one maybe i i didn't i missed it so anyway i hope y'all are doing well fight on and there's a lot going on that needs to be unpacked as far as the pac-12 conference and usc in general just everything in general so and go buffalo i hope they beat texas take care guys have a good one bye thanks for the call scott uh good to hear from you and uh, sadly for you, we know what happened to to Colorado in that game against Texas. Not good. Uh, but um, I, I get the sentiment. I, I honestly, I do get it. I get where Scott is coming from here as far as uh, wanting that competitive spirit to, to sort of be uh, alive within USC, that, they, that they'll that they just go off and, and do whatever they need to do to go finish the season with a bowl game and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, as a... As like a human, I I can't even use this as a judgment point for the state of USC's program because we saw so many other teams who didn't lose in the Pac-12 title game also uh, decide to opt out, and we saw we've seen teams deal continue to deal with with COVID. We know that USC was going to go into that game without most of the NFL guys that were going to declare. Um, we know that AVT and, and Aminara St. Brown and Keaton Slovis weren't going to play because of injury. Uh, we we know that that uh, it was just it's such a difficult time of, of year 
you weren't going to get to do any of the fun stuff in the bowl because you weren't going to going to be able to to go there and do all the events that you'd normally do in the in the city. Uh, sure, maybe you would have gotten the PS5, which would have been awesome for for the players. But at the same time, like they literally were going to go home for Christmas. They've been living on USC's campus or around USC's campus for uh, you know several months. A lot of them haven't seen their families. So yes, they they were able to go home and live at home again uh, after the season ended so like like i like we've said before i just i can't i can't bother uh drumming up disappointment even over this because this year is just this past year has been a whole separate thing that everyone's dealing with yeah and that's why for me um i don't mind it um in, in a different situation i think i might have a different opinion um, but but why is it that the SEC gets to play the they don't want to be here card all the time when when they lose bowl games Alabama loses bowl games uh, oh they just didn't want to be there why are they allowed to play that card even though we're talking about uh, nobody opted out of bowl games before this year right um, yeah you would have the occasional situation where a team like Notre Dame would would uh, would not take their their bowl invite but. That would always be rare when when those things would happen. I I, I don't see the, the the big deal here. It's the pandemic. Given everything that's gone on, uh, I'd rather have SC opt out of a bowl game than play a game they didn't want to be there. Have a game that has some ugly score that you didn't want to see. If SC's not going to be there, then then don't go. But moving on, the email from John. Hi, Alicia and Michael. I hope you two are feeling better. I'm feeling pretty sad at how the season ended for USC football. And it's players. I realized that as Alicia wrote, A.D. Bone is not going to fire one-loss Helton after the strange year the Pac-12 endured during the deadly COVID pandemic. However, had this been a normal planned season, I think USC would be 7-5, and five, maybe even 6-6, six and six, and the pressure to move on from Helton would be very high on A.D. Mike Bone. Next season's USC team will not be as talented as this year's team due to expected departures and having to face up with a cycle that has its opponents in the South, Colorado, UCLA, and ASU uh, are all entering. So here's a mental exercise from a parallel universe. Go through the original USC schedule below, and based on how each team actually performed this season, judge if USC would have won or lost the game. First and last are easy gimmies. Now, based on this record, do you think AD Mike Bone would have kept uh, Coach Clay Helton? Uh, really quick, running down this list like we did before, Alabama. Uh, no. Uh, New Mexico. Yes. Stanford. Yes. ASU. They did so. Yes. At Utah. They did so. Yes. Cal. Yes. At Arizona. They did so. Yes. Colorado. Yes. At Oregon. They didn't so. No. <laughs> Washington. I think that's a no. At UCLA. They did, so yes. Notre Dame. No. So you have SC at 8-4. and four. Although, to be quite honest, I think that the Notre Dame game would have probably been one of those stupid ones where, like, Notre Dame's on the verge of the playoff and USC is playing them tough, and maybe they win, maybe they don't, but it's tight. But, yeah, 8-4. and four. I agree. I, I think SC might clip Washington, but either way— 8-4, and 9-3. Uh, it's the same thing every it is year, the same Michael. Thing. Yes, but, um, no, I, I agree with the premise that— the, the season would have been looked at completely differently uh, if those games would have been there. And you have probably more reason to... Es- especially when the games the season starts against Alabama. Yeah. And who knows what that game could have been early on. It would not have been pretty. Yeah. If that was an ugly beatdown, then that would have set the tone for the entire season and potentially uh, set the personality for what this team could have been Yeah. Uh, th- this past season. Uh, we got a text message from our friend Kenny from Traveler Hates Thursdays. Michael, let me see your discussion on how you'd only trust Urban Meyer to compete with Nick Saban and Davo Sweeney is spot on when comparing the playoff era to the BCS era. But what caused the disparity between very elite programs and everyone else? Uh, management and how much they care about football and how much they can evaluate football. Um, Nick Saban is the master of 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 control and he understands what excellence looks like. That's why he's so good. Uh, that's why it's su- he, he's suited to the college football world where he gets to control everything and, and it 
put together in the perfectionist way that he'd want it. Um, Dabo, it just turns out he's got got a bit of talent and he has, you know, what are the I was talking to somebody about this, like Dabo. What are the chances that Dabo would end up with the best defensive coordinator in college football and that that defensive coordinator would be like the only one who doesn't appear to have uh, aspirations to be a head coach and would stick around for that long? Um, That that helps. But, you know, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, these are programs that put a lot of resources into their football program. That matters. Yeah, I think it's resources. Uh, It's spending wisely what the, the, the big uptick in interior revenue. But I also think so much of it is recruiting, and I don't think that it's I don't think it's a surprise that that Clemson's reign comes at a time where uh, the recruiting geography is shifting. You get a state like Georgia now that is it used to be the big three: California, Texas, and, and Florida. I don't think it's like the big three anymore. Georgia is just as talented as any of those other states. Uh, and and when you're Clemson and and you're on the border of South Carolina and Georgia, you're right there. You're right there for talent. Um, and so that coinciding with with the big name talent that's that's not on the offensive and defensive line in California, that hurts. Um, but it's all about how you manage that talent, how you manage those coaches, um, and how you're able to recruit in a in a landscape that's ever changing. Um, and it just it's crazy that so few programs have been able to sort of master it uh, during this time. Uh, let's go to an email from Scott. First four years of each coach, Clay Helton, 31-17, and 17, won a Rose Bowl. Tom Herman, 32-18, and 18, won a Sugar Bowl. Both have failed to get the historic programs to elite statuses, and both are losing out on the recruiting trail. The difference in the two coaches, Texas cares about the future of their program and fired their coach. Fight on, Scott. Bingo. Although, okay, one little smidge, big smidge of a difference. Uh, to my knowledge, Texas is not dealing with the wealth of uh, of lawsuits and all that, putting a financial strain on an institution that already was under financial strain as USC's athletic department was. That makes a slight difference. And then you consider that uh, the buyout for Clay Hilton was even worse than the buyout for Tom, for Tom Herman, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, yes, they care more. Yeah, That's it. it. It doesn't help that SC has a million other things going on. Yes. If SC didn't have a million other things going on, Clay Hilton would have been fired a long time ago. Yes. Uh, Slack message from Grumpy Oso. Do you think Mike Bone is going to hire the new offensive line coach and strength and conditioning coaches? I don't think he will directly do it, but I, if the last hiring situation came about the way that it did, I think that he will give resources to uh, and, and maybe use his... Uh, uh, Rolodex and and the like to help expand that search. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, Last email comes from Ron. Alicia and Michael, thank you for your hard work, especially in a year of a pandemic. It was, maybe strangely, comforting to share podcasts with my daughter and son throughout the fall. Your broadcasts were a welcome consistency during a period where nothing is as we expect or wish. With prayers for your complete recovery and for all the best in the new year, best ron harrington thank, thank you. you thank you so much ron that's, that's very sweet of you and and we're glad to have been able to provide anybody uh f- even a slight uh distraction or something that uh that made you feel good during this this last year or just allowed you to vent along with us during this last year i'm i totally get that um but uh yeah we're we're both feeling quite a bit better uh we're both uh looking forward to 2021 uh, being a little bit more stable, a little bit better, and uh, and you know onwards, onwards and upwards, right? Absolutely, and um, thank you for everybody that reached out to yes to, to us. I, I wouldn't have expected uh, as much support as we got. Um, yes, not because I doubted anyone. Just you, know, you never think about those things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you guys. Uh, we're definitely feeling way better, um, and um, that's always good, and is uh, very heartfelt to, uh, to to get so many. Uh, messages, DMs, tweets, emails, all that stuff. So uh, thank you guys very much. But um, we're back and ready to go for, for 2021. We'll be back on Tuesdays for the main show. Uh, then every other Friday over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. So we can get all of our bonus content for as little as $5.55 a month. There we go. Uh, two minutes. 
both of us have meetings in two minutes. So we've been like <laughs> running through this this mailbag at, at, at rapid fire speed. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, we still have a bunch more emails to get to. Uh, look for those next week. So if you didn't hear an email, we'll get to those next week. Thank you guys for listening as always. See ya. See ya. See ya. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.